This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 91 of Jurassic Park. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing really good. Coming off of a uh, a weekend where we did uh, Spanish Town Mardi Gras here in Baton Rouge, which for anybody who isn't uh, a local listener, that's um, Baton Rouge's version of Mardi Gras. The Mardi Gras celebration that, you know, is so infamous uh from being a new orleans original yeah had a really good time um we talked a little bit about it over on goonies minute and chris talked about how from what he can remember he had a pretty good time right yeah spanish town is known as being a pretty raucous parade and a pretty uh pretty exciting time but it it violates one of my prime uh directives as a human being which involves uh, no day drinking and uh, i think that parade (laughs) happens from what like nine in the morning to noon Something like that. And the great part of that, though, is if you want to do anything at all Saturday afternoon or Saturday night, uh, if you don't go to the parade, the town is yours. It's like that song, what is it, Tonight the Streets Are Ours? You know, uh, <laughs> you go out and everybody is has been asleep for six hours because they are completely drunk by noon and by two o'clock, the, the town is yours. Yeah. So you can do anything you want. Um, but I do enjoy kind of the, the you know, there's everybody's there to have a good time. And, you know, if nobody gets in, you know, has too much of a good time, there's no fist fights, then that's awesome. But I will say that I live and die uh, for king cake. Oh, yeah. There you go. Can Best you part explain of the for our listeners that might not be uh, <laughs> familiar to Mardi Gras what exactly a king oh, cake man. is. Let's see. A king cake is like a circular cake almost. And inside of the cake is a small plastic baby. And right. so whoever gets that slice of the cake has to buy the next king cake. Speaking of babies, yes. we're going to be talking about some baby dinosaurs today. So let's let's do it. Let's get into that the minute. That is a A-plus segue, Brady. Good job <laughs> there. So yeah, let's go ahead and get into minute number 91. In the previous minute, we saw Lex's encounter with the Brachiosaurus go horribly awry. As the minute ended, Dr. Alan Grant found some hatched dinosaur eggs at the base of a tree. At 91.03, Tim, while holding a dinosaur eggshell, says... But my grandpa said all the dinosaurs were girls. Grant says that amphibian DNA was used on the dinosaurs. Grant says that frog DNA was used in the gene sequence gaps, which mutated the dinosaurs' genetic code, and blended that with frogs. Grant says that some West African frogs are known to change their gender from male to female. At 91.35, Dr. Alan Grant says Malcolm was right. At 91.40, Grant points to a trail of tiny dinosaur footprints. As he looks at them, Grant says, life found a way. At 91.53, we cut to a shot of Dr. Ian Malcolm lying on his side. Ray can be heard saying, no, that's crazy. You're out of your mind. Dr. Ellie Sattler asks what exactly he's talking about. And thus ends minute number 91 of Jurassic Park. So, like you said before we took the uh, little breakdown there, this is all about babies. Uh, in the last minute, Dr. Alan Grant noticed the eggs and said they're breeding. And then in this minute, we kind of get the source of that. He's talking about the West African frogs, which have been known to change their gender from female to male in situations where there are not enough males around. Now, the for the frog he is talking about actually is called a common reed frog, and it is, of course, in West Africa. And just because of the way that they're, they are designed biologically, if there are not enough males around, the females will develop male organs and they will continue to breed. So we're seeing the crossover, the DNA uh, that was that was talked about uh, earlier in Jurassic Park whenever they were go- meeting Dr. Wu and, you know, going through the... Um, 
a gene splicing cartoon with Mr. DNA and shown that the frog DNA was cut in, uh, that's kind of how the dinosaurs gained that trait. So, yeah, I actually think this is one of the most brilliant moves Michael Crichton did with the entire Jurassic Park thing. Yeah, and is to include this, uh, you know, actual concept of frog, some West African frogs being able to change sex uh, whenever there's by a certain um, chemical trigger in their body. Yeah. Yeah, which is just fascinating. Uh, but it goes to but, show you know, again that you know uh, we get into this a little bit more in Jurassic World that these aren't technically dinosaurs. You know, they look like mm-hmm. dinosaurs. I'm sure they smell and sound like dinosaurs. But uh, on a you know uh, in their genes, they are like Frankenstein's monster. You know, they're all sorts of stuff put together. It's a wonder how Doctor Wu ever got a job again. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I go into this more in the next minute, minute number ninety two, but. Uh, you know, I'm so glad that they brought him back for Jurassic World. Uh, he's such an interesting character, and I'm really glad that we're getting to see more of him and his uh, way of thinking, and yeah. or lack of thinking, for that matter. But um, so yeah, we, we've got the the whole thing about the dinosaurs are now breeding. You know, this type of evolution, whether it was engineered to happen or not, has happened. Another type of evolution that was not supposed to happen, that this guy would have structured his entire life around not letting happen is Alan Grant, from someone who avoided being a parental figure to one, whether he liked it or not. And Sam Neill just shows it happening without Alan Grant even knowing it's happening so brilliantly. Yeah. And I think a lot of that shows in the sense that he's so childlike in this moment and the way he's looking around and he's so excited and you know trying to get on the kid's level and talk to them without getting too, you know, not too much science jargon, I guess just shows that he is that kind of person at heart. He is childlike. And there is the very deliberate positioning of him in between this tree trunk with eggs in front of him, which is so um, parental, you know? And the last time that we saw him in a similar situation was him in the tree with the two kids uh, on either side of him. And so it has to be... Uh, this is Steven Spielberg we're talking about here, one of the most brilliant filmmakers in history, uh, who is giving us a very deliberate callback here. And we're seeing Grant sort of in the final stage of his evolution into a parental level, into a parental figure. And the last thing we see him see here is life found a way. And you yeah. can easily say that he's talking about, Malcolm's right, the dinosaurs are going to start breeding. Or you could say that this guy who is, without even knowing that he is in such a childlike state right now is, is, you know, almost saying this without even him to himself, without even knowing it. And it's life found a way I'm here. I am now someone who can embrace this idea of being a parent and, and that's it. Life found a way. Yeah. I, I honestly think that it's a deliberate callback that the way Steven Spielberg has positioned him here in front of these eggs. Yeah, it's definitely because we had him, you know, with the eggs earlier when this whole thing was being discussed, uh, you know, when, when the robot was tending to them and everything. And yeah. Dr. Wu was talking about, oh, you know, all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are female. It's, you know, it, as brilliant as Dr. Wu is, it seems like this is the kind of thing that he might have that might have come up in a calculation somewhere. Well, I guess maybe not because they didn't have a chaotician there on <laughs> on hand to kind of say, like, you do know that this thing is going to spiral out of control. and There's no way you can control this thing, you know. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's amazing that this is the kind of thing that happens in the real world, that these frogs, these common reed frogs. 
in West Africa are able to do this. And, you know, this happens with a lot of other reptiles, too. Uh, there was some, I think it was a turtle somewhere, or a tortoise, mm-hmm. in, a, in a zoo, and it had been by itself for, like, 50 years or something. You know, the, the lifespan of this turtle had outlived, like, everybody who had worked at the zoo. And then all of a sudden, one day, it was pregnant out of nowhere. It was in, wow. it was by itself, and it did the same thing. It somehow was able to become pregnant. I think some octopuses or maybe sharks are able to do this as well, but it's not an uncommon thing for this uh, miraculous virgin birth uh, to happen uh, in the animal kingdom. Now, of course, human beings, we cannot do this. So but uh, to be a little bit more um, miraculous if it happened with a human being. But uh, in the animal kingdom, it is something that occasionally happens. And uh, yeah, very cool for Michael Crichton to include this kind of thing in here. Yeah, it's it's one of those natural wonders, kind of similar to the starfish that is immortal. Right. And can uh, at a certain, I think, like sexual peak in its life can just basically start over somehow. It's, I don't know, one of those things that's just so science fiction, if you will. And right. so in, in a way, as unreal, okay, figuratively unrealistic as that is, it grounds this movie in reality that much more for me. Mm-hmm. So it's so strange that all those things are coming together. And, uh, and it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, you know, between John Williams' score, Sam Neill's performance. Just the very ideas that are that are being presented here. I think it's one of the more fascinating. It's one of the more Jurassic Park scenes, if you will. This is the kind of thing that makes this movie what it is for me. Science fiction meeting reality and just, I don't know, working. Being not too, too far of a stretch for science. This is, you know, yeah. like it's it not, you know, in the world of 1993 was this kind of thing possible, you know, the cloning of dinosaurs and everything. But there there's tinges of real life things that have happened, you know, that, that, that could... Uh, mm-hmm you know, that, that make it a believable or at least plausible story. So I want to correct myself real quick. I did say it was a tortoise in a zoo. And what I meant to say was, uh, the world's longest snake actually, uh, had a, Mm. she was 11 years old, a reticulated Python, and she produced six babies without mating in 2012. So it's, uh, you know, there, there, there is a record of these kind of things happen. I'm getting that off of uh, nationalgeographic.com. Tortoises are pretty cool. I can imagine having a few more tortoises tortoises in the world. Uh, I don't know about snakes or the longest snake in the world. Yeah, it's not like, you know, hey, you know, reticulated python, you're not exactly endangered that I'm aware of. But uh, this was in the Louisville Zoo, and her name was Thelma, and she had six awesome. kids. So That's really yeah, cool. Very cool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that whenever Grant presents this theory and he says Malcolm was right, life found a way, the thing that we cut to is Malcolm. Uh, and what, don't, yeah. we don't just cut to oh, Malcolm. Malcolm. We cut to yes. sexy, sexy Jeff Goldblum. You feel yeah, like Jeff Goldblum just, had some sort of say in the oh, uh, presentation yeah. here because Malcolm has his shirt just completely open. <laughs> Colin Trevorrow did post a picture online whenever they were setting up the offices for Jurassic World. And, and a life-size cutout of Ian Malcolm from that very shot was on the like the main office wall of the Jurassic World oh uh, offices. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> but that's all I have for this minute. How about you? Yeah, that's all I've got for this minute as well. We can go ahead and wrap things up then, folks. We're going to be back tomorrow for minute number 92. But just real quick, we want to just say again that we are going to have uh, Gary Roby from Harry Potter Minute on for Thursday and Friday's episodes this week. Yeah, All right, Brady, you ready to go ahead and get out of here? Let's go. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. minute. 
You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Yeah.